welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. So people just don't turn up with all their kind of thoughts. They need to know what we believe. And I've had people actually come to Christ. You know, they thought they were Christians. And they said, well, we're doing all the right thing. I'm reminded of a story about um, Guy the Gorilla in London Zoo. And... Um, Guy was a, a main attraction to all the all the children, especially. Um, one year he died just before the summer holidays. So they got hold of the one of the chief keepers and said, "Look, can you dress up as Guy? No one knows he's dead yet. Could you dress up as Guy? Put your stuff on and just scratch yourself. Try to eat your banana or whatever they eat." Uh, so he said, "Okay, what time out? You get the sack because there's no Guy here." So he did the job and. Um, he was quite good at it. He began to start swinging around quite happily. And uh, one day he got so energetic, he swung out of his enclosure over the, the, the gate at the fence and into the next enclosure, which happened to be the lion's enclosure. <laughs> so and, and suddenly a lion looked at him and said, wow. And so he starts to run from the lion. Ah, help, help. He keeps shouting out, help. And the lion goes through me there, puts him down the ground and says, shut up or you'll give us both the same. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying, some people think being Christian, you've got to be good like your neighbour, you've got to be a, oh, us doing. And because, actually, our salvation is all to what he's done, isn't it? And so I found people enjoying the church or something realised, oh, I, I thought I'd, I'd be doing all the outward things, putting on a, not an ape's clothes, but you know, good clothes. And uh, that's not the answer need to be born again. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's spin through this if I can. I think I'd like to use these by age. Uh, I don't really want to look down my nose at you. Right? <laughs> I look, I'm, it's like I'm lecturing, but I don't mean to be. Okay, let's, uh, we're looking in Luke 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Three points, as usual, in a good sermon. First one, troubled about many things. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. In her book, Leading Ladies, I do enjoy reading Wendy Virgo. I know when New Frontiers and Terry, I admire greatly, I read his books. But Wendy Virgo, many years ago, wrote a very good book called Leading Ladies. She pictured the scene like this. Angry tears slid down her cheeks and plopped into the gravy she was stirring with her wooden spoon. No time to indulge in frustration, too much to do. She passed by the open door and glimpsed Mary sitting, chin cupped in her hands. Then the vegetables boiled over. Then she knocked over a plate of carefully chopped herbs. This was the last straw. All day she had wanted to make a banquet, something really special for Jesus and his disciples. She dreamed of receiving with dignity and humility compliments from Jesus. What a cook, what a hostess. 
It was all for him. And now this mess, vegetables overdone, lamb not ready, it was too much. No one could expect her to do all the work. Why couldn't they see she needed help? No, no, she wouldn't ask. Then she heard Mary's laugh. <laughs> it was all her fault. How could she just stand this thing? How could he let her be so idle? Enough! Master, she exploded. Don't you care that I'm doing all the work? Tell Mary to come and help me. Jesus looked with love at Mary's hot, flushed face. And listen to this in case something goes off in your heart. He saw the frustration and resentment in her heart. Saw beneath the tension, the ache of unfulfillment, the longing to be recognized and appreciated. Saw that beneath the hard work and effort, she was trying to buy his love by serving, doing much. Although her elaborate preparations were meant to be for him, they were really an effort to win affirmation, to find an identity in doing something well. And now it had all backfired. Four months. I don't know if you ever feel like <laughs> shouting, Help! Life's too busy! <laughs> if you're living in this day and age, I expect you have felt like that. I think we seem to be enjoying more, sorry, doing more and enjoying less. I've got a quote here from dear old Alice in Wonderland. The Meg Queen says, here you see, it takes all the running you do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least as twice as fast as that. I think the problem is that, that some of us live such frenetic lives that the moment we stop, we drop. That's why you sit on the television and just entertain me. Nothing, but it's not fulfilling to tell you, is it? I think we try to be still and think. For us Christians, we try to pray, but our minds continue to buzz around and they need kind of a, a while before they kind of settle down. Like Martha, we're concerned about many things and we can get worried and upset about many things, and many of them are legitimate. And when it comes to the matter of a deeper Christian life, well, I think we, we tend to kind of skim the surface of it, really, because we're so distracted. But what about those who don't know Jesus? I think the continual movement, I think it was uh, Tom Gunn or Ted Hughes, I think Tom Gunn, who wrote a poem about On the Move, where sometimes by keeping moving, you're finding you're going somewhere. <laughs> Even if you're not going nearer, but you just keep moving, you think, oh, I'm going somewhere. Not Christians, those who don't know. They need to ask questions. That's why Alpha's good. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Why is there suffering in the world? What happens when I die? Why did Jesus die? How can we know he rose from the dead? These matter, but the busyness of many people doesn't allow them to stop and ask these vital questions and exactly find the key thing which we're going to look at today. And I, I think really we live with so many demands, don't we? The kids. And you know, with my day and age, we're one or two things going on, but I didn't have telly till I was about 13. And um, my grandkids say, what did you do? How boring. <laughs> it was, no, I, there was only television on the programme from like four till six. I don't know if old people remember. No television, no PlayStation. Yeah, nothing like that. Couldn't get computers out. No mobile phones. They got, it's how boring your life must have been, Dad. Well, you just fill it with things, don't you? But this day and age, they're constantly on their phones and so on. And we kind of try to catch up with them. Uh, I think we've, I think Altberg, yeah, John Altberg says this, we have largely, I've got it here, we have largely traded wisdom 
for information. We think we know stuff. Oh, I know all this. I'm wise. But you know, I, I run a church in Exeter for ten years. Some of those very intelligent students had no common sense at all. <laughs> They knew all sorts of clever things, but how to just live and how to make choices about morality and so on, they were, they were out of their depths. And Altberg says, we want to microwave maturity. And I think that's what people want to do. It's something they want to be, which only life's experience can give them. I, I remember the other day, I was uh, cooking something with a microwave, and I found myself saying, oh, come on. And I realized I'm asking a great big dish which would take two hours to prepare and two hours to cook. Well, only like 40 minutes and I'm saying, oh, come on. Look, goodness me. <laughs> it's hurriness, isn't it? Hurry and busy. It, it, uh, busyness. I think kind of, a lot of the anger is around it, a lot of frustration. I mean, cars and queues and so on. Talk about queues. Don't you? I'm, I'm the kind, I turn up there, I think, where's the, where's the most queue? I'm always around there. You think, it's good, then finish. Like, that's over there. Or what happens? Something always goes wrong, or they ask a query about something, and I find the queue I came from. It's like, oh, <laughs> but why should I be doing that? I remember Jay John. You know Jay John, the canon? He knew he was kind of over busy, overdoing it, when he went to the loo and found he pulled the chain before he'd been. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of syndrome. can prevent us from receiving love from God. And it can prevent us from giving it to our children, actually. Hurry is, I think it was Altberg who said, hurry is one of the great enemies of spiritual life in our day. It can actually destroy souls. Jesus said, um, who does it, what does it profit man if he gains the whole world? Loses his soul. In our reading today, Jesus tells us that only one thing is necessary to put the other things in their correct place. But one thing is necessary to overcome it all. You're worried about, upset about many things. Is that true of you today? Are you in a hurry mode and then forever tired and weary? You can't hurry love. Love and hurry, almost incompatible, really. Jesus never hurried. He was very busy. Uh, but he was focused. He lived each day to the full. He worked hard, yet never hurried. Especially when demands were made upon him. I think the Jairus' daughter healing, you know, he, he's on his way to Jairus' daughter, but he gets sidetracked, as it were, by the woman who touches his garment. Uh, he doesn't hurry. He, he, he seems to be, no, I'll, I will take it all, listening to my father in stride. He got tired, Jesus did, didn't he? But there's a lot of difference between tiredness and weariness. And when you're feeling weary, you need to take yourself in hand. Because it's not healthy. Tiredness is healthy. I think it's really good, having done a good day's work, to go to bed sleep. Now, following Jesus and coming to church is meant to be a blessing. It's meant to help you in the busyness of life. But you'll only enjoy life if you can receive from him. It, it, you, you've got to interrupt your busyness somehow. You've got to be inconvenienced. There's things you want to do. It's hard, isn't it, to find time to read the Bible and be with God, don't you find? It's an inconvenience. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to say it like that, but you've got too much going on. And you almost have to say, I, I've got to set some time in somewhere where I can do that. That's why Sunday mornings are so important, aren't they? I know uh, William, uh, William Wilberforce, you know, the great advocate, 
of uh, abolition of slavery. He, he saw his Sundays uh, as uh, ISIS in its full-on work because he'd been attacked by all sorts of people uh, 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 who obviously wanted the slave trade to continue. But he made sure he was there in church just to receive from God. And he was very strongly with his prayer session during the middle of the week where he met with his brothers and sisters, we would say, with our home groups here. Now, before we criticise Martha too readily, she has some great strengths. And we need to wear those strengths. I think Martha, her willingness to serve was admirable, don't you? Wow. She was generous, a loving servant, and as we can see from the first verse, she was hospitable. She, she allowed things to happen in her home. She had great qualities and accompanying gifts. She, Jesus never once condemns Martha's gifts of service. And I think there's a dignity, a legitimate fulfillment in doing a good job. In fact, God works too. Jesus says this, My father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. So if you're a worker, you're a worker, then that's good news. Because God works, Jesus is working. And he says, well done for working. God applauds us too when we uh, serve others sacrificially. But we need to be aware that our tasks and duties can so overtake us that we cause to forget why we're doing them. And at the back of it all, who as Christians, who are we really trying to serve? Mothers who are caring for their family, hard work, is such a high calling. And Jesus loves it and says, I'm with you in it. As you give your time to the least of these, my brethren, children, you're serving me. Same with work too, isn't it? I've got a quote there from Paul. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working, who for? For the Lord. Not for human masters. So when you're doing some of your work, you're doing your needing your class or whatever, say, oh, I might be getting money from this person, but I'm serving you. You made me to be someone who serves. In her frustration and anger, Martha turned on Jesus because the motives for what she was doing <laughs> and her attitude explode in something a bit sinful, really. Don't you care, my sister? He, tell her! So he's, she's commanding Jesus, tell her to help me! You know, Whoa, that's attitude. You know what women are like when they go for it? Whoa! <laughs> I was a, a deputy head for several years. And I tell you, some of the women in the school, the teachers, they could look a kid into submission. I, as a bloke, could look at these other methods, but they would look, wow. Second point here then. Rearranging my priorities. <laughs> You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Jesus wanted Martha to make a discovery. If he wasn't really at the centre, then there were problems. If he was at the centre, then she didn't need to strive for the will. He loved her. She didn't have to earn his, his approval. He loved her. Here she was, thinking she had to do that. She could find fulfilment and purpose in him and put him first. And only then would she be able to receive all the strength and the motivation and the energy she needed just to live her daily life. What motivates you? Why do you do the things you do? 
Yes, I've just got to earn finance, get a few family. But I haven't got a deeper motivation. But actually, this is why I was made. It says in the scriptures about Jesus, through him everything was made that was made. And all things were made by him and through him and so you were made from and you're wired in a certain way and you once you realise I've been wired in a certain way to serve God it becomes an outworking of his life in you rather you try to prove it <laughs> and he wanted Martha to make the discovery see he didn't react to her demands her panic had not pressurised him into instant action instead he was forcing her to review her entire lifestyle. Serving for the wrong reason can cause a person to become frustrated and judgmental and, well, and weary. And you find people with the wrong motive of serving, uh, they can wear you out too, can't they? Especially when others don't notice you or are unhelpful in the things you're doing. Then the attitude can hurt or repel others. I think a lot of unchurched people may be put off when they see a bad attitude of someone. Um, I was amused the other day, I saw a back program of The Simpsons, and um, uh, Homer is talking to Ned Flanders, who knows the Christian guy next door, and Homer says, oh, hey, uh, uh, Ned said, yeah, we're, we're going after a Christian cat. And Homer, Homer says something, oh yes, you're going away to learn how to be judgmental. <laughs> your attitude speaks louder than your words. Do you know that? You might try to cover it up. Martha's attitude was clear. It came out in her words, but I think she was huffing and puffing long before you got to the explosion of words. <laughs> Choosing the one thing. Mary's chosen the good portion, he says, which will not be taken away from her. He doesn't say what it is. <laughs> what do you mean, says Martha? What she's doing is just sitting there listening to you, receiving from you. Yeah. If everyone was like that, nothing would get done. Well, and of course, listening to Jesus and receiving from him is how you become a Christian, isn't it? <laughs> now, how do you come to Jesus Christ? Actually, through a, a liberating and a humbling experience. You become a Christian not by being Martha-like, by trying to earn God's attention, by trying to be a good girl or a good boy, not by being religious, not by our doing it all. We become Christians through turning away from self-reliance and self-effort, turning to Jesus. That's called repentance. Just to be turning. You become a Christian through trusting someone else for your salvation. There's a school on fire. Sort it out. The big chief is going to sort it out. Oh, he's shutting the doors too. <laughs> so you, you become a Christian by turning away. You become a Christian by trusting someone else for our salvation. And true work, that's called faith. And you become Christian through receiving forgiveness, new life, and power from 
someone else, undeserving though you are, that's called grace. In other words, you become a Christian not by your doing at all, really. Paul puts it like this, God shows us his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We had nothing to offer at all, did we? And when we read about this giving nature of our God, God doesn't need anything. But he wants to bless us, so he loves the world so much that he gives his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's interesting in that, so, that believes. Uh, I remember chatting to James, that's my wife's dad, who um, was dying of cancer, and um, he was concerned. Jane got saved into a non-Christian background, perhaps she got a black eye when she got saved. And they were very hostile, but bit by bit they saw it wasn't a religious phase after about 30 years to get the message, you know. <laughs> Some religious phase. <laughs> one by one, both the sisters got saved, and mum, uh, but dad held out, lovely guy, better than many Christians I know, but the better doesn't get you to heaven, because we need perfection perhaps. Anyway, so, but he said, but I, he said, the girls are saying I might go to hell when I die. What do you think? That's cheerful, then. So I said, that's not what I think. I think it means you're going to have eternity away from God, and that, that is going to be hell. He said, well, I believe in Jesus. So I said, well, the devil believes in Jesus. It's not a mental thing. That, that word belief there means bank on, put your trust in, rely on. Very good. That's what the whole thing is about. So, oh, you go to the penny go, well, I, I believe he died when I was here, but yeah. But you've not made it your own. You've not said, I want that for me. I want to be saved. I want. I said, well, okay, great. I said, but you realise if you do that, you're going to hand over your whole life to him. Even if it's only another four or five months. And you've got to say, sorry, Lord, for the 68 years before. He said, well, I think I said, well, look, you think about it. And I'll happily pray with you tomorrow. I thought, oh, dear. But I thought he needs to be serious. As long as you die in the night, that would be terrible. <laughs> but I thought, I, I, you can't make it easy. It, it is a, it's a giving. Whatever. But the following day, praise the Lord, the girls went out for our top women's institute market. And I thought, right, I'm not And he said, can we have that prayer? And he prayed that prayer. Very good. So, you know, when they came back in, it was tears. You know, I, I but he began to realise that because you're born in a Christian country, you're not a Christian. Yeah, right. And you might believe the truth of Christian faith, but you've got to put your faith in it. You've got to rely upon, put a bank upon his death and resurrection. Genuine Christians, therefore, far from being self-reliant and judgmental, do-gooders. We can't be self-righteous. We know, actually, in comparison to Jesus, down here, the irony of the gospel is that the only way to be worthy of it is to admit that you're completely unworthy of it. So if you meet a, a, a judgmental Christian, they don't understand the gospel. Right. You wonder, have they met Jesus? Kelly goes on, doesn't he say, look, we are more simple and flawed than we dare believe. Yet more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Any good that we do stems only from knowing someone who himself is supremely good. He lives in us by his Holy Spirit. He changes us from within. Uh, spending time with Jesus actually rubs off on us, doesn't it? Yeah? 
But it won't rub off you if you're proud. But if you're humble, come to him. Just who he is, something about his truth. As we read the word, it just rubs off on us, it changes us. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. We know that. The entrance into heaven is perfect behaviour. Only one person has managed that, and that is Jesus. <laughs> you couldn't live a perfect life, sinless life, so he lived it for you. Isn't that a relief? Yeah. He's your Lord, he's lived it for you. You could not atone for your sins, so he paid the price himself for you by giving his life as a ransom for many. The old hymn, greedy or far away, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. So the Christian faith is all about trusting and receiving, being Mary-like. It starts that way and it's to continue that way. So the question as I'm moving through here, we've still got a little to go, sorry about this, but won't be too long. How are, we, how are you doing at trusting Jesus today? More important, how are you good at receiving from him today? See, a marvel-like attitude was like Peter. Peter comes there, they're in the upper room, Jesus goes, they're too busy, gets a bowl of water, strips off his outer garment and starts washing their feet. Peter says this, Lord, you shan't wash my feet. Jesus replies this, if I do not wash you, you have no share in it. Wow. Now, Pete was a tough guy, and he, he you know, straight talking. Some people would need straight talking. It was with him. In other words, I've got here, the offence of the cross is it means we have to let God serve us. And Jesus was saying here, look, you know, if, I don't, if I, you can't receive this from me, then actually... You know, share with me. You, you're not part of who I am. Because actually, what happens then, as we receive from Jesus, we then give to others. And they receive from us. Huh. Do you need to let him wash your feet today? Are you coming thinking, oh, well, I promise to do this. I'll do that. I'll try to... Just throw that out of the way, will you? Let him wash your feet. Let him serve you. It's countercultural. We don't naturally want to do this. We want to be self-reliant. We want to do it ourselves. But actually, the distraction going on. So, don't worry. Jesus wants to serve us. Contrary to... See, Martha was trying to serve him first. Mary was sitting there, just receiving from him. Reminded of Romans 4, you know this passage? Paul is talking about... He's talking to those Jews that are working hard with, with uh, good works, keeping the law. We would say uh, the works could be Bible reading, prayer, giving money. And Paul says, but when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. If you do a hard bit of work, when your uh, per person gives you the money, it's not, oh, is that decent of them? No, they're obliged to give it to you, aren't they, if you've worked, yeah? But look at this second bloke. He says, however, to the man who does not work. But what does he do? Trust God. Who justifies who? You're right there, man. That's you. <laughs> he is what? He is credited him as righteousness. This is so 
she got that. You can't bring anything. You're wicked. Uh, not in the world's terms, but there's there's an alienation in you. There's a, a sinful selfish, if you like. And Paul is saying the man who doesn't try to get to heaven or get to God by reading his Bible and praying and doing good, the guy doesn't do any of that, but does what? Trusts God. What happens? His so the very reason any of you, if you just put your faith in Jesus, you might not have read the Bible for two years. It does, if you don't, because it's God's love letters. But you might, you might not pray for a while. Again, even more dark. What prayer we have in Jesus? All our sins are grief to bear. What prayer to carry everything? God in prayer. But if you haven't done anything, you haven't helped an old lady across the road. That doesn't make you righteous or forgiven. What makes you righteous and forgiven? Trusting your faith. Receiving forgiveness. Wow, you don't think that's wonderful? Yeah. But we live as though it's all to do with us. Oh, I've, I've not been a good Christian today. God won't love me. No, Jesus, do you believe Jesus died? Yes. Will you put your faith in Him? Don't put your faith in whether you've been good or bad. Put your faith in what He's done, who He is. Amen? Very good. Yeah. Must get that clear. Yeah. Otherwise, we find martial like attitudes coming to our faith. I see so many Christians with headaches. Well, you yeah, know, I'm talking about spiritual headaches. They're always like, cheer up! You know, I'm no perfect. I'm not, you know, I know I'll be changing. But I'm born again and I have the righteousness of Christ because of my faith in Him. Because I'm able to receive from Him. And I think Martha hadn't got that message up to now. Can you see the difference between working for my salvation and trusting God for my salvation. You see the difference? Between my effort and my simply receiving. Being a Martha or a Mary. Lloyd-Jones, the great old Dr. Preacher, says this. There's no more wonderful word than grace. It means unmerited favour or kindness shown to one who is utterly undeserving. Is that you? Yes. yes. Here again, the purely gratuitous character of our salvation is brought out. It's something that results from the sole exercise of the listen, spontaneous love of God. It's not merely a free gift. It's a free gift to those who deserve the exact opposite. And it's given to us while we are without hope and without God in the world. Isn't that wonderful? You see, this Martha attitude creeps into our Christian faith and our daily life, and we're not careful. Sad storm says grace ceases to be grace if God is compelled to bestow it in the presence of human merit. Grace ceases to be grace if God is compelled to withdraw it in the presence of human demerit. Grace is treating a person without the slightest reference to desert whatsoever, but solely according to the infinite goodness and sovereign purpose of God. That can't be bad, can it? Martha, grace cannot be earned by hard work. Is received with gratitude. So I ask you again today, how good are you receiving God's grace, God's love, God's Holy Spirit, <laughs> God's energy? This is what Jesus was concerned with Martha's service. It's to do with her motivation. Because serving others, as we've seen, may be done for a dozen reasons. If you act like Martha, your serving can become judgmental, can become manipulative, 
she even orders Jesus to sort her sister out. There was this underlying desire or a need to earn self-worth, respect, love and admiration from our own hard endeavours. The Lord loves you. The, Lord's, the day you gave your life to Christ, he made you righteous. I'm as righteous as the Apostle Paul. Jesus ain't got to go and die again for me. He's died once, he's done the job. Even you, you awful sinner. That's glorious, isn't it? And therefore, and that comes about not, you haven't done a thing to earn it. Your forgiveness, your righteousness. It's a free gift. Paul says, keep in the grace of God. Keep in the grace of God. If you know you're loved, because says you're not perfect, so what? We'll work on you over the years. I want to make you like my son Jesus. Do you think, oh, do you have to, Lord? Can't we just go through? No. How do I change? I read scriptures, but then I go through all sorts of experience in life. Oh, that's. See, how do you know God is a healer? Because you have been sick. How do you know he's a provider? Yeah. See, the day before he provides, he ain't fun. The day before he provides, God, come through with this. Help! He doesn't spare that because he wants you to learn him and he also wants you to change. We're praying for God. Will you change that circumstance? Will you change that person that God says, I'm changing you? He's like, oh, no, no. Don't change me. And he's always so late, isn't he? He's never on time. But that's how he changes us. Through annoying people in our class or at work or the kids are, oh, that, that child, what's she like? He did crumbles. I like when I was a... And then, you know, you go through financial troubles and you go through health troubles. And God's not being nasty. He's a good guy. He's, he's working in you. And it says no discipline at the time is pleasant. Is it? No. But it says, but it says, uh, but painful, it says. Then it says, but later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So as you go through these things, I've learned to say, oh Lord, I this ain't fun, but Lord, work it out in me. The sooner I learn, the less of me to get on. <laughs> and I've learned to be trained by it. But I think some of us are quite willful stuff. <laughs> um, you know, we, we give ourselves more problems. Because he's trying to make us like Jesus. Give us victory where we need it. <laughs> One thing, Mary. What Mary chosen? What was the key? Martha could say, well, does it mean all this is unnecessary? Does it want my service? And you think, hold on. How will I know, says Martha? Well, how would she know? Well, she would know if she just stopped. Got close to him for a moment. And spent time listening to him. She might find out. He didn't tell her to stop serving, abandon domestic chores. He didn't downgrade her activity. If she got this one thing right, then, then everything else would find its right place. What was the one thing? Simple. Mary had chosen to spend time with Jesus, listen to him, and receive from him. Oh, how wise we are to pause in the business of life like this morning. Stop for a moment and spend time listening to Jesus, a different kingdom.
different way of love, drawing strength and inspiration from him. Church on Sundays, I love just coming to, having led churches, it's wonderful not to leave one. <laughs> it's great. I just come in and join God. And I, I just, it's like, you know, I come in and, and my guitar, I'm like a guitar with all the strings that have got a bit blah, 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 blah. And I come down and start worshipping and oh, that one's in tune. I start getting tuned up. I think midweek is so important. Like Wilberforce, you've got to get them pray. Get to your home groups. I mean, it's so important because it, again, it just gets us into a different kingdom. We suddenly find, yes, I'm able to receive here. I've got brothers and sisters who are on the journey with me. And actually, I can receive from them as well as the Lord. <laughs> we can imagine her initial response if everyone sat around all day, etc. But, but she began to get the message. He wanted to know, I love you. He wanted her to know that I can share your needs. He wanted to know that I'm not despising what you're doing, but I need to come and help you do it. Can't we do the work together on the way? Rearrange your priorities. Wow. So, what energy is motivating you at the moment? Is it the energy of motivation of I'm going to be, I've got to be a successful woman or man? Is it actually I'm going to prove myself? Is it actually I need to do this to get any sense of God loving me? All that needs to be kicked out of the way. It needs to be thrown right into the rubbish bin. You need to say, Lord, I need to be one that trusts you and receives from you. And <laughs> I can only give to others what I have received. Yeah. So when I go through something that's difficult, as I learn to receive strength and energy from you and grow through it, when someone over here goes through that same thing, I'm able, Lord, with humility, to try to bless them. Understand? It comes from a motivation. If you bless me, perhaps I can bless others. We start the Christian life trusting and receiving. And we're to continue each day doing the same. On the last day of the feast, when Jesus was around, he stood before the people and says, Anyone thirsty? Come to me and he who believes in me, right? not he who is spiritual, he who is intelligent, he who is clever, but he who trusts me. Out of their innermost being, or out of the heart, is also another version, will flow rivers of living water. I'm sure Jesus wanted Martha to learn that energy, that you know, for God said about the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have God life, not normal life, God life. And that's if you're a Christian and you're thirsty at any time, what Martha should have done was said, why am I doing this? I don't need to earn his approval, he loves me anyway. I want to do this as a genuine love gift. Lord, fill me, please fill me. I believe in you. So that out of my innermost being will flow rivers of living water that can flow out without grumpiness or moans or whatever, but with blessing. The Lord wants us to willingly offer him every part of our lives. Today I think we need to do that. We need to say, Lord, why am I doing things? I want it to be done first of all for you. Wow. And he wants you to know that as you serve others, in your place of work or at home, relative neighbours, actually you're serving him. 
By the way, she got the message. <laughs> John said, six days, oh sorry, sorry, oh I mentioned this just before I get to the, she gets the message which is great news. That's, uh, somebody asked me on Wednesday what my favourite verse was, I mean how do you do that? How can you see your favourite verse? Right. But this is up there, one of the top ten. Paul says, how much more will those who receive God's abundant grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? In other words, how am I going to reign in life? How am I going to do all the things I've got to do and there's lots of good things I've got to do? How will I reign? Well, how will I reign? By receiving See, see, it's It's not the way. How do I, how I reign? I've got to do this. I've got to do that. No, no. If you want to reign in life, you need to receive God's abundant grace. Alright? His grace is unending. It's unfailing. It's unmerited. It's all coming to you. It's unlimited. It goes to anybody. Even me. That grace is for you given. Your forgiveness, your blessing, your righteousness. As I know that each morning, I'm saying on Wednesday, I just get into the shower. I normally shower, sometimes I have a scrape, but it's not a good shower. I just say, Lord, I thank you. It doesn't matter about yesterday. It doesn't matter even this morning. Lord, I receive your abundant grace, which is given to me, unending, unfailing. And I receive your gift of righteousness. Means, wow, you, you proclaim me forgiven. You proclaim me right with you through the work of Jesus. I'm not doing anything, Lord. I'm sitting, in the, I'm standing in the shower. I'm just receiving. Amen. Amen. So I ask you again: How are you good at trusting and receiving? Mary, uh, Martha, now well done. Later on, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where. Lazarus was, and Jesus raised the dead. So they gave a, a dinner for him there. Martha served, that is. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. There they were all together again with Lazarus and Jesus, the two men that Martha loved the most. It was a joy to set a meal before him. Now her serving sprang out of a heart full of love and gratitude. The atmosphere was so full of joy and thanksgiving that it seemed right and natural for Mary to fetch her most precious possession, a box of spikenard ointment, which she poured over the feet of Jesus. He received her worship and told those in the room that her gesture will be recorded for us too. She could anoint his body, which the others weren't able to do when he was crucified. She did that prophetically, saying, I know you're going to die for me. Those feet will have nails through. Can I say in closing, the way we serve in our jobs, or in our homes, or our families, or our churches, can make it easier or harder for others to offer their worship. It's not so much what we do, but how we do it that matters. Martha would be more, might have been more practical than Mary, actually, but she was no less spiritual. And I think worship can express itself in many ways. 
Worship can express itself in practical love. Amen? Yeah. In serving. It says, you know, your gift is serving, serve as unto the Lord. We should all be serving, shouldn't we? But some people are especially good at it. We need to honour them and help them know it must spring from a heart that is in love with the one who died for them and cares for them. Let's sing a song before we finish, shall we? I'd like to pray together, if I may. Uh, if you'd like to join me in a prayer here, I, I'm going to uh, suggest some things that might be that you need to consider. Okay, so let's pray. Are you one of those today that feels you're screaming, help, life is too busy? And I think as we pray here, I think you say, Lord, help me rearrange my priorities. When did I last just sit down with one of my kids? Perhaps read them a story. Unhurried. Do my kids know I'm a hurried person? Do you need to repent of feeling as though you're a pawn in a game of chess? I want to say that Lord would say, look, you are able to make decisions in this game as the sum of the moves of your life. God, that was important. Will you build some stops into your life? The Lord will say, make the use of each Sunday. Get a home group. Come out from where you are. Be inconvenienced and put me first. Choose the one thing that will help the rest make sense. If you don't personally know Jesus that we've been talking about, you don't become a Christian. Don't rush on. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love you to, to, to receive from him today, knowing you're forgiven and he'll come and move in your life and change you. And for those who are weary, tired and thirsty, he would say, come to me. I'll give you rest. For those who want to serve more effectively, then you need to say, Lord, I'm thirsty. Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Knowing it's not a feeling, it's not earned, but he who believes in me out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. For anyone who's feeling they're running on empty, <laughs> come and drink. Come and drink. Martha, Martha, Andrew, Jane, Skip, Julie. <laughs> You're hurried and worried about, upset about many things. I don't think you are. Only one thing is needed. Lord, Lord, my friends in this room, Lord, they want to love you, they want to serve you, they want to go the long distance, they don't want to burn out, they don't want marriages apart, they want their kids to love you, Lord we need your help but I thank you Lord that you are the answer we need, that if we've spent time listening to you and receiving from you, I pray Lord would you make a company, this church able to receive again and again your love and your grace help us as we receive that grace, then to pour it out on everyone who comes through that door I thank you for the way you're blessing this church with kids, with different nationalities, Lord, with worship, Lord, with, uh, with your blessing. And I pray, carry on doing that. Make this a church for the nations. Yeah. And I pray, would you please, well, humbly we ask, please, would you add people to us? So we'll do our best, Lord, not to serve out of our own energy, but do our best to serve gratefully out of the grace you give us yeah. to do that. And I pray a blessing on this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, 
downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.com.